0: We hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: This week on PA Books, the authors of Civil War Voices from York County, Pennsylvania, Scott Mingus and James McClure.
0: Scott Mingus, when people think about the Civil War in Pennsylvania, they immediately think about Gettysburg. If People have already visited Gettysburg. Where else should they go?
1: I think there's a a number of things in southern Pennsylvania that people can go to. I mean, obviously, the National Civil War Museum in Harrisburg is probably the best known on a national level. There are a lot of smaller Civil War sites scattered throughout southern Pennsylvania that I think might interest people. Certainly in York County, Pennsylvania, there are uh, historical markers for a battle at Hanover. Uh, Not much left to see of the battlefield, but the walking tour. And interpretive markers are quite interesting. They help set the Battle of Gettysburg up. Uh, There's a new movement to put a battlefield interpretive park on South Mountain near uh, Monterey Pass. Uh, So there's a lot of activity in that area. And then certainly in most uh, communities throughout Pennsylvania, there are a number of uh, different historical sites and things that that are associated either with the Civil War, uh, the actual uh, Gettysburg campaign, or from the recruiting efforts. from each individual town, most of which have their own historical societies, their own uh, downtown statue at the courthouse, things like that.
0: Jim McClure, you have a favorite Civil War spot?
2: Well, uh, I guess I'm on the York County Heritage Trust board, so I, I might uh, be a little uh, biased, but there's a very uh, good uh, exhibit in the, in the York County Heritage Trust Historical Society Museum. Uh, it's, uh, it's on the second floor and it's, uh, it's very thorough, has uh, audios and visuals and is, is a very up-to-date Exhibit uh, a second one that uh, is uh, that's a favorite is down the Hanover Junction where uh, you know which is the main telegraphic uh, railroad junction in southern York County. Uh, there's a museum there that has uh, talks a lot about Abraham Lincoln's visit uh, in 1863. He went through there to get to Gettysburg to, to deliver a Gettysburg Address.
0: Mm-hmm. Now the, the two of you collaborated on this book, Civil War Voices from York County. If someone buys this, what do they get?
1: I think they get they get several things. First of all, one of the things we tried to do in this book was to collect a lot of the stories from you know great grandpa and great grandma, uh, you know what happened in Southern Pennsylvania, particularly in York and Adams County, with a focus on York County. But you know we, we get the story of a of a border community that was you know right above the Maryland border, um, you know had strong economic ties to the South, so there was a lot of um, questioning at times whether people should go to, to war or not. It was also a culture that was filled with Mennonites and Dunkers and other uh, groups, Anabaptist groups, that did not necessarily want to fight. So you, you had a lot of dichotomy and tension going on in southern Pennsylvania. So the book talks a little bit about the, that early you know, uh, tension in the community between do I join the army, don't I? Do I support the South? Don't I support the South? So we wanted to capture a lot of those kinds of early stories on why did people fight? Why did they join the army? What were they trying to do, and then certainly go from there into why was this such an important place uh, for northern military strategists uh, and to try to protect this particular region?
2: This concept is really uh, Scott's idea to begin with, and he observed that the greatest generation, those, uh, let's say in their, their 70s and 80s uh, today, are really the last generation that met Civil War soldiers. And many of the many and, and much of that happened in Gettysburg in uh, 1938. A lot of Young York Countyans went down there as Boy Scouts to help usher uh, those veterans uh, at the 75th anniversary of Battle of Gettysburg, and uh, they met these. And, and, and it's something they've always uh, they've treasured those experiences. And also, th- that generation tends to appreciate their history uh, and preserve their history. they kind of the, the family conservators. After they pass on, if they don't pass those stories on, they might be lost. And Scott's good idea was, let's get them. Uh, and uh, so we, uh, he asked, and we, we were able to uh, really leverage this by putting uh, notices in the paper. Hey, we're newspaper, right. uh, Daily Record, or Daily Record. Hey, uh, we're looking for these stories, and we got right. flooded with them.
1: Right. We did, you know. Part of the genesis was my own mother, who, from all the time I grew up in southern Ohio, and she would constantly tell me stories of her own great grandfather, who was a Civil War veteran who fought at Spotsylvania and a number of other uh, battlefields in northern Virginia. But she remembered as a little girl going to Dover, Ohio, visiting him in his house. He'd fall asleep in his rocking chair and would start shouting long lost commands to his comrades and things. And he was a 15 year old drummer from England. At the start of the Civil War, he was an English immigrant. Uh, and by the end of the war, he was a sergeant. Uh, so uh, she remembered being terrified of him when she was a little girl because he'd fall asleep and he'd start screaming and reliving these battles. But it was that kind of connection, you know, because if I didn't, she hadn't told me that story, we'd never know that particular, you know, little bit of Civil War history. So the idea uh, came to, to me that, you know, now that I live in York County for the last 10 years, there's got to be similar stories throughout this area uh, in terms of you know, what do people really pass down. And it's been fascinating because in the book, we found not only these kind of oral traditions like that, but we certainly uh, somewhat hit the jackpot with people who came with letters, they came with diaries, they came with uh, journal entries, old newspaper clippings, as well, of course, as the oral tradition. So it's been kind of nice to be able to capture those and then kind of weave the history in between the stories so the people get, uh, as they buy the book, they'll get a, a little history of the entire Civil War from start to finish, but predominantly told through the idea of the storyteller.
2: We also uh, are, are both, uh, we like documents too. We like uh, primary sources. And we uh, devote the last uh, 20% of the book right. to official, what we call official voices. Right. Uh, they're primary documents that just haven't, haven't never been published before. Right and we wanted to make sure that they were published in a, for a wider audience. And so we, that, that was really a, one of the most fun part of the project is, is to figure out which of the 10 to choose out of hundreds.
1: Right, and I think the other thing uh, about it is, while this is York County centric, it certainly applies throughout the Pennsylvania viewing area because uh, you know, one of our hopes is that people in other communities will get the same idea and capture their Civil War history in a similar manner. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania having the road show that's going on with the 150th anniversary with the trailers that are going from county to county throughout the next three, four years. Uh, one of the ideas there is for people to bring their photographs, their diaries, their letters to the PA 150 road show and, and then share them, uh, which will be captured uh, for that. And perhaps uh, at some point the state will issue a book with all that as well.
0: Did your ancestor, your great-great-grandfather, um, leave any memorabilia?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, there are memorabilia scattered throughout the family, uh, different pieces that they collected. The one unfortunate thing is that none of them, I had six ancestors fight in the Civil War, and not any of them are known to have left their own written accounts. Mm. So unfortunately, I have no diaries or no letters or anything like that that anyone in the family knows of. Lots of oral tradition, but nothing in writing. Jim McClure, you
0: have any ancestors fought in the Civil War? Uh,
2: not that I'm aware of, but it's interesting that Scott and I both grew up in a border area, such as uh, York County. I, I grew up in northern Kentucky or right along the Ohio River, and I think Scott did in, in uh, southern, Ohio. Southern, southern Ohio. So, uh, you know, I w- I grew up in an area that was very uh, uh, knowledgeable about the Civil War, and, uh, and then, of course, I, I ended up here where it, uh, it's an area that, Needs to become more knowledgeable. The Civil War has a uh, one of the stats, the statistics that, uh, that really Scott I- exposed me to was that uh, about uh, 10% of those that uh, the troops that fought, blue and gray troops that fought in Gettysburg, were in York County before the war. Mm. They were, uh, w- they were, they passed through York County. They were, they stayed in York County or passed through York County. 10% out of the, of mm. the uh, blue and gray uh, troops were in York County from you, the Battle of Gettysburg. You are uh, Jim. You are uh,
0: editor of the York Daily Record. That's was correct. that paper around during the Civil War? It, it was.
2: It was well. The paper wasn't that not by that nameplate, but the, the, it was known as the York uh, Gazette in, in those days. And the interesting story there is that the uh, owner of the paper, David Small, uh, owner and publisher of the paper, was also the chief Burgess of York. And so the 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 story is, and the true story was he he was instrumental in surrendering the town. York was the largest uh, town north of the Mason-Dixon line to surrender to the Confederates in the Pennsylvania campaign of 1863. And he was, so as Chief Burgess, he surrendered uh, to, the, he was the instrumental in surrendering the town. He wasn't the sole decision maker. And then he used the newspaper to defend that position. And so it was an interesting dual hat that he wore.
0: Does your newspaper today have archives from the Civil War from uh, his predecessor news? We, we
2: don't, but they're available at the York County Heritage Trust uh, Archives. There's microfilm of the, of the uh, York Gazette and it talks, you can just read David Small's, uh, pro, David Small probably wrote it. Uh, you can read his accounts of the invasion uh, and, how it, and how his justifications for the surrender, for example. Now before we get to the invasion, if you were in York County
0: in 1860, 61, 62, walking around, what would you see?
1: Uh, York County predominantly in 1860s uh, was very agricultural, as was most of South Central Pennsylvania. Uh, in fact, a lot of the visitors, both the Union and Confederate that came through the county, described it as one of the most lush, fertile farmland areas around. Now, coupled with that, you have a town of about 8,600 people, York, which was the largest town between Harrisburg and Maryland, uh, which was very booming, it was very, um, although it still had an agrarian root had a lot of industry, uh, particularly the Pennsylvania Agricultural Works, which manufactured steel plows and other farming implements, Uh, a number of rail car manufacturers, Uh, there were a number of uh, uh, carriage makers, things along those lines. Uh, So it was really an area that uh, while farming was still the hub of this area, that certainly in particular in York you had a relatively modern city. In fact, uh, downtown York, a fellow by the name of Charles Spangler, had, uh, as he advertised in the York Gazette, some of the most modern European clothing. So, you know, you could actually come to York and be high fashion at that point in time at Wellham, and well. and uh, will as the Confederates found out when they occupied York uh, and they raided the store and many of them fought the Battle of Gettysburg wearing European imported clothing that they had liberated from York stores.
0: Uh, you mentioned that there were people who were kind of not sure what side to come down on. Were there a- out and out Southern sympathizers in York County at the well, time. One
2: of the, uh, the the thing that you would have found in York before the uh, the, the Confederate invasion of 1863 was a, a North South orientation. Now there was certainly there was connections with Philadelphia, but you had that Susquehanna River between York County and Philadelphia, and plus a long longer distance from York County to Philadelphia than you do between York County and Baltimore. And Baltimore was one of the largest, I think it might have been the second largest Confederate or uh, the southern city in, uh, the, during the Civil War. So York had these strong cultural and marketing uh, ties, market ties with Baltimore. So th- the war was uh, somewhat of a disruption of those institutions. So, th- so a lot of folks in York County just felt, well, the war isn't going to disrupt our way of life, so why should we fight it? Slavery really is more of a Deep South problem. We don't have slaves, haven't had slaves here since, you know, it started, uh, slaves were starting to be emancipated in 1780, so it really wasn't our problem. So why would, and besides that, we were Democrats here by tradition, and and the Democrats in those days were uh, constitutionalists, and they didn't want to divide the nation and uh, abrogate the the U.S. Constitution.
0: Abraham Lincoln did not do very well at the Ballot box. He, in York he lost County. in both the
2: 1860 and 1864 election in, in York County.
0: Correct. W- was there much yeah. uh, activity with the Underground Railroad in York County? Certainly there was. Uh, you now,
1: obviously, a lot of it's anecdotal, but certainly York County played a very important role during the uh, uh, Underground Railroad period. Now, let me give you one example. There was a black merchant in downtown York by the name of William Goodrich who is known in some accounts or rumored in other accounts to have been very, very active in the Underground Railroad. Among the things that he supposedly did, and it ties into the the one book, um, Flames Beyond Gettysburg, that uh, I've written, uh, the bridge over the Susquehanna River was a mile and a quarter long. What Mr. Goodrich would do was when the escaped slaves came into southern York County, uh, they would make their way via the conductor system to downtown York, Mr. Goodwood may or may not have hidden them in a store or in his house, depending on which accounts. But one thing it, that he did do was echo, uh, usher them somehow or another to the railroad station. And he would put them in hollowed out bottoms of railroad cars that his company manufactured. And they would then be taken by locomotive uh, eastward to Wrightsville. At Wrightsville, the uh, cars with their cargo hidden of escaped slaves and their families would then be disconnected from the train engines, would be towed by mule through this, again, mile and a quarter long wooden covered bridge uh, to Lancaster County where Quakers and other religious groups and other uh, interested parties would pick up the slaves then in Lancaster and would escort them through the network and eventually, hopefully, to Canada or to
0: Upstate New York. So the Underground Railroad actually sometimes involved railroads. Yeah, it was
1: ironically, yeah. it's one of the few cases that we know of, at least in Southern Pennsylvania, where indeed the railroad was one of the means of escape.
2: The Underground Railroad is, is a fascinating topic among, in in York County and mm-hmm. uh, I think everywhere. There's interestingly, they didn't advertise the stations uh, for obvious reasons, so it's really hard to document what was part of the Underground Railroad and what wasn't. There's two certified sites. You can become certified through uh, the federal government. Uh, uh, and there's two certified sites in York County. One of them is the Goodrich House, and Scott mentioned. The other one is the Willis House. The Willis House was owned by, uh, at least uh, early on, by a Quaker. And the Quakers' uh, Saudi friends were very instrumental, I- I- as far as known, in, the, uh, in York County, especially along the northern tier when it comes to the Underground Railroad. Although as I mentioned, the only two sites that are uh certified are in the, the york area there's an interesting story about Osborne and Perry Anderson mm-hmm. who was involved in the John Brown raid at harbor's ferry he was uh he He got away and uh he was he ended up in York, presumably uh in the company of uh william c goodridge uh, you know the uh and one of the interesting things that uh William Lee Smallwood, who is a, a historian in York County, has pointed out is he was pro- could have been hidden in uh, Goodridge's house or his business, which was on the square in New York. And the newspaper office was next door, or two doors down. The newspaper office was running on its press stories about the John Brown raid whenever one of the uh, conspirators was frequenting away in uh, John Brown's uh, house uh, or his business just two doors down. Very interesting little connection there,
0: right? Um, For people who are not uh, entirely familiar with the the geography, where is York County in relation to Gettysburg? Uh,
1: York County is the next county immediately east of Adams County where Gettysburg is located. Downtown York is approximately 30 miles east of downtown Gettysburg. Uh, So it's directly across U.S. Route 30, uh, which runs from Chambersburg through Gettysburg on through York. And eventually, it we'll, uh, goes through Lancaster to Philadelphia. So we're about two hours west of Philadelphia uh, by car, about an hour north of
0: Baltimore.
2: Adams County, you know, where Gettysburg is uh, located, was actually part of York County mm-hmm. from 1749 to 1800 when it uh, demerged. Uh, and it's interesting that York County has about a 40-mile border on the Mason-Dixon line from the Susquehanna River the Adams County line is uh, today is about 40 miles, and that's interesting. A part of its uh, character is when you share a 40-mile uh, border with a slave state, Maryland, then uh, the border really doesn't keep you from going back and forth, nor ideas back and forth, and so that helps shape that north-south uh, emphasis that we that I spoke about earlier in New York County.
0: Was there much commerce back and forth between York and Gettysburg? Were there railroads?
1: Yeah, there was uh, a railroad. It's time of the Civil War. Uh, The railroad network was obviously very small throughout the north, uh, although certainly much larger than the south. Uh, South South-central Pennsylvania had really three key railroads. One was the Cumberland Valley Railroad, which ran up uh, through Chambersburg, on through Carlisle, and eventually terminated in Harrisburg. Uh, that was a key uh, Union supply route. A second railroad was the Northern Central Railroad, which ran from Harrisburg down through York to Baltimore, where eventually, uh, via the streets of Baltimore, you could connect to the Baltimore and Ohio and other railroads. Um, in between Chambersburg and Gettysburg, about halfway is, or Chambersburg and York, halfway is Gettysburg. There was plans to run a railroad all the way through Gettysburg but at the time of Civil War that railroad only ran from Hanover Junction in South Central York County where it connected with the Northern Central. It ran to Gettysburg and was unfinished west of Gettysburg. In fact during the Battle of Gettysburg you frequently hear discussions of the unfinished railroad and the railroad cuts Uh, but the tracks had not been laid west from Gettysburg towards Chambersburg at the time of Civil War.
0: And on the east side of York County you have the Susquehanna River. Correct. Uh, what did that? Was that navigable? It was, it was used for commerce, or was it an obstacle? Oh, uh,
1: actually, it was quite the obstacle, uh, especially in the summer when the, the Susquehanna River was then quite low in the summer, quite rocky, and was certainly not navigable. So, in the uh, early 19th century, the state of Pennsylvania commissioned canals, uh, which paralleled the Susquehanna River, and in fact, even at the time of the Civil War, the canals were still quite operational and very prevalent. So. Uh, one ran down from Harrisburg on the east side of the Susquehanna to a town called Columbia in western Lancaster County, and then, uh, believe it or not, they would have to un—or uh, actually, they would have to hook the tow—the uh, boat—the towboats up to mules, tow them across this bridge we've talked about before, and then the canal continued on the western bank down to Maryland. Uh, so, uh, for some you know, reason, the engineering just didn't quite work out to keep it all on the same side. Uh, so, uh, that was the main route of navigation by water from Harrisburg to Baltimore, actually at Harvard de Grace, was to go down these two canals.
2: An interesting uh, thing that just is fascinating uh, is to, to feed the canal on the West Bank through York County, they had to build a, a, low, hand, a low head dam across the river to back up the river uh, in the north part, uh, and so and, and uh, therefore to uh, feed the canals. Now that Lowhead Dam was there when the Confederates invaded York County in June 1863, and uh, they they uh, started uh, after the bridge was burned. They br- burned the bridge to keep the Confederates from going across. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a few minutes. And uh, they and the Confederates tried to go across Lowhead Dam as a bridge. But they found that they're too exposed to uh, union fire from Columbia on the east bank uh, that that dam by the way uh, stopped the shad migration north It, it was built in about eighteen forty and it kept the shads from shad fishery uh, just destroyed the shad fishery. The shads would go up the river and, and go to the tributaries and and uh, spawn and then go back down but that that was really the first dam on the river that now as we know there's been uh, several other dams built, hydroelectric uh, dams built, hydropower dams built subsequent to that. But that was the first dam uh, in 1840. Okay.
0: So was your County, uh, one of you said that 10% of the troops in the war passed through your County. Was it just It just happened to be there on the main thoroughfare on the way to Gettysburg or was there well, some Gettysburg strategic was, reason?
1: Yeah, Gettysburg wasn't the strategic reason. The reason was of course that the railroad mm-hmm. ran to Baltimore from Baltimore You could march troops through the streets of Baltimore to Camden Yards, uh, where the baseball stadium is today. And then from there, you could take them to Washington, D.C. So most of the troops that ended up in the Army of the Potomac, the main army defending Washington early in the war, and of course the major field army in the east uh, throughout the war, uh, a, a very large chunk, if you will, of the regiments from around the north uh, that ended up in Washington's defenses came through York County. And it was strictly because the Northern Central directed them that way.
0: When did Confederate soldiers start showing their faces?
1: Ah, oh, good question. Uh, the first, conf- well, let us step back. In Stonewall Jackson, very early in the Civil War in 1862, first drafted the idea uh, of invading Pennsylvania. His uh, quote was, if you give me, I believe it was 36,000 men. I'll take the war to the banks of Susquehanna. In effect, will end the war. I told a Confederate congressman that. So in September of 1862, Jackson and Robert E. Elias, immediate supervisor or commander, formulated a plan to invade southern Pennsylvania. They never got to Pennsylvania. They came within 10 miles of it. Uh, they were stopped, of course, at the, what became the Battle of Antietam. But that idea continued to percolate. And in, its, in October of 62, Jeb Stuart's cavalry invaded Adams County Uh, And we don't know, you know, his all of his intentions. He certainly never came to York County, but throughout the winter of 1862-63, the idea of coming to Harrisburg and then, you know, making York a secondary target continued to percolate throughout the Southern High Command. So, the first Confederates to actually invade York County uh, occurred in the uh, third week of June, 1863. Uh, on saturday june twenty seventh eighteen 1863, uh, with uh, about a s- little less than six thousand Confederate infantry from uh, a fellow by the name of Lynch- from Lynchburg,
0: Virginia by the name of Jill Borley were there union soldiers there to meet them
2: well by uh, uh, that was uh, part of the the interesting part of the story is that uh, there weren't uh, partly because of the p- of the politics in York county. They, uh, and partly because many of the uh, Union soldiers that had been raised in the county were in elsewhere. They were down with the army, uh, in the Union Army, the main Union Army. Uh, there was very few uh, militia and very few home guard, very few left to take on the Confederates. So the Confederates really faced little opposition. They, uh, Juba Early in particular, division coming across your county. He was heading to the, the bridge, the Wrightsfield Bridge he uh, there's different accounts as to what his i think his plans changed as he as he came across uh york county and found very little opposition but his idea was to secure the bridge go across the bridge at least eventually his idea was to secure the bridge go across the bridge and go up to harrisburg on the back side and then another uh division of yule's corps was up in uh the camp hill area uh in mccanksburg area they were fronting harrisburg and the idea was to uh, pinch Harrisburg from the front and the back. That's the way it developed. Uh, the bridge was burned, so the Jubilees uh, forces couldn't get across uh, the Susquehanna River bridge. They couldn't get across, and so that plan was was foiled. Right. But, but what the practical thing had happened was because York was so undefended, uh, the, the the town's fathers met and said, "Okay, you know, how are we going to?" Uh, to mitigate damage to the town. If they come in and and figure they're going to burn our town, well, let's go out and meet them and cut a business deal with them. Let's surrender to them.
1: Uh, Stepping back, York had emergency militia that was guarding the general area. When the Confederates first started coming into southern Pennsylvania uh, on June 13th, the 1st Cavalry uh, appeared in uh, Franklin County. Governor Andrew Curtin, a Republican governor of the county, called for 50000 Pennsylvanians to rise up and join the Army. Now, people didn't know if, they, if he met for the rest of the war until we drove the Confederates off a of sacred Pennsylvania soil. Why exactly do we need to join the Army? Plus, it was summer harvest. And a lot of people were like, we're certainly not going to leave our harvest or leave our farms, and if the rebels are coming here, why do I want to leave my family undefended? So we only got about 7,000 volunteers from throughout the state to join these emergency militia units. They got three days of training, got shiny new guns, new backpacks, new uniforms, new shoes. And they sent a thousand of these guys to York County, Uh, the 20th Pennsylvania Volunteer Militia. uh, Tried to guard the Northern Central Railroad, uh, this key supply route from Harrisburg down to Baltimore. Um, At the same time, he sent the 26th Pennsylvania Militia out to guard Gettysburg for the railroad spur that was out there, and he put the 27th Pennsylvania Volunteer Militia to guard the Wrightsville-Columbia Bridge. So you had about 3,000 of these untrained militia scattered between Lancaster, Adams, and York counties to try to defend that, that east-west axis as well as the north-south, uh, northern central railroad. Uh, on June 26, 1863, Joe Borley's Confederates fought what most people don't realize, the first battle of Gettysburg, uh, fighting the militia, this 26th Pennsylvania volunteer militia, Uh, throughout a rainy afternoon, they drove them out of Gettysburg and the Confederates physically occupied the town. Uh, They had Gettysburg. Uh, They didn't need Gettysburg. It wasn't strategic. They would march away on the 27th. But as Jim mentioned earlier, uh, York's citizens, uh, civic officials, had met the Confederates uh, west of town, negotiated. Part of that negotiation was to pull the remaining militia out out of York. So there's 1,000 or so members of the 20th 20th Pennsylvania militia were withdrawn into Lancaster County, or uh, some of them ended up at Wrightsville, some of which were guarding Hanover Junction. Um, York also had a US Army hospital at the time, but all the soldiers and the patients and their guards, with just a very few exceptions of people who were too sick to travel, were taken to Lancaster County as well. So the, the, the military presence what little there was had three days of training and even if they had tried to defend York, uh, probably wouldn't have happened because uh, their their lack of success at Gettysburg uh, drew the amusement of the Confederate Army many accounts, which I talk about in Flames Beyond Gettysburg, how uh, even General Early said, I'm gonna send my men in to to be amused by the local militia.
2: Yeah, the thing that uh, you have to put yourself in the place of the people of York County at the time it was largely undefended, but the people coming at him, the soldiers coming at him, were uh, some of them were Stonewall Jackson's uh, former men. He was dead at that time, but these were uh, men that he had trained, that served under him, and officers served under him. And it was really was uh, equivalent of, of terrorists coming to York County today, or to a rural county today. You had a town that probably only had six thousand York had only had six thousand people left in it, if that. He had a force of six thousand. Men coming at you, seasoned uh, killers, and it, it was uh, it was they were menacing, and it was uh, it was a t- people were terrified, and they, they didn't know what the intentions of the Confederates were, and it it was uh, it was a time of great uh, just untold trauma. Mm-hmm really. So what was the purpose of the Confederacy? What was their goal in in, uh, getting York to surrender?
1: Yeah, let me step back. Again, Jackson's original goal was to go to Harrisburg, which Lee, of course, picked up. Jackson, as as Jim mentioned, was dead uh, following the Battle of Chancellorsville after being shot by his own men. But Lee had had several objectives, one of which was to collect supplies. Uh, His army had been fighting in northern Virginia for 18 months or so. Uh, Union Army, of course, was there as well, so the farmers of Virginia couldn't feed the populace, let alone two armies. Uh, Southern, Maryland, or Southern Pennsylvania and Northern Maryland offered fresh food supply. So, one of his many reasons to come to this area, of course, was, was to collect supplies food, horses, provisions, uh, which he did successfully. And in, in that regard, the campaign was a smashing success uh, because he was able to feed his army for many, many months based on what he took out of Pennsylvania. A second key goal, of course, was taking Harrisburg. Uh, If you could take Harrisburg, that was the capital of the second most populous state in the north. Uh, And it might put political pressure on, you know, President Lincoln. There was a peace movement already growing, Southern Ohio in particular. Uh, A congressman by the name of Clement Landingham had uh, many followers in what was called the Peace Democrat Party or Copperheads as they came to be known. Uh, so there was a feeling in, in the Confederacy that if we came into southern Pennsylvania, perhaps this copper-red sentiment would rise up and again you could put pressure on Lincoln to sue for peace. Um, and there was a lot of view of that. And one thing I alluded to earlier, another of Lee's goals was to break apart those railroads. Uh, you know, because they were vital to the Union supply lines, Union communication routes, things along those lines. So there were many, many goals to come in there. Now, why York County uh, specifically? If the target is Harrisburg, uh, York County certainly ha- has an immediate access. Uh, cut east from Gettysburg, come across what's today US Route 30 or 462 the Lincoln Highway, grab that bridge, as Jim alluded to earlier, and follow the Pennsylvania Railroad, wrecking it up through Marietta on the uh, eastern bank of the Susquehanna. So it became an e- e- It became an easy way to take Harrisburg from its undefended rear because all the fortifications and the other 4,000 Pennsylvania militia we haven't talked about yet are all sitting up at Harrisburg uh, in the Le Moyne area, Camp Hill, Mechanicsburg uh, type region to defend the railroad bridges that existed there. One other key comment I'll make is we keep alluding to this bridge at Wrightsville. It's the only way to cross the Susquehanna River from Harrisburg to Maryland uh... it's been raining all spring the waters too high you're not gonna walk across all the boats conveniently have been moved to the eastern bank uh... and so the only way for jubile early and his six thousand confederates to cross into lancaster is to go get that bridge
2: and of course the people of york county didn't know what the intentions were of these uh... invaders they they thought that they would uh... destroy their farms and uh... and And uh, and in fact, in many ways, they did. They were under orders from Lee not to not to do that, but uh, they kind of met the letter of the law. But uh, well, maybe the the, the not but not the spirit. They didn't destroy things; they just stole a lot of things. And and when they stole things, they gave worthless uh, Confederate money, Uh, and they'll say that'll be worth something after we, we win the war. So, and you think, well, maybe they stole they stole horses, and big what a big deal that is. It's a, that was, uh, this was harvest time, coming up in harvest time, those horses were vital, you know, to feed uh, families, to feed York County, and to feed uh, many other people. So that they stole, uh, it's hard to get come up with a count, but more than a thousand horses uh, during the time that the Confederates store in York County.
1: Yeah, and some of the stories we talk about in the book are some of the, the tales of how people are trying to protect their livestock, they're trying to protect their horses. Um, you know, we talk about uh, different activities where, some, some farmers would hobble their horses uh, deliberately by tying very strong binding twine around the, uh, the horse's legs and then uh, release them in the fields and the Confederates would show up and they'd look and the horse would be limping off in the distance and so they'd leave it alone. farmer would go out uh, with scissors and then... Shear the uh, twine, and after massaging the horse's leg to restore the circulation, all well, suddenly his horse was good again. So, those are the kinds of things that we were interested in. And how did people actually, you know, what did great grandma tell you she did to protect, uh, you know, the hens and the chickens and things Families
2: like that? Families would bury uh, uh, valuables in the backyard. There's one case in New York where they put a smallpox sign on a house to discourage uh, the, the invaders from it. Intruding. There's another case where they, there's a funeral home or a funeral parlor where they hid uh, valuables in, in in caskets and in, in coffins. But one story that is, is interesting where they would hide uh, horses and uh, cattle in houses in basements. And there's one story uh, where they uh, had a, a one of their youngsters uh, somewhere in the county run on the front porch uh, his uh, a wagon or something to make so much noise that you couldn't hear. The uh, about the uh, cattle frequented or uh, hidden in the basement of the houses. You huh? also
0: write a story about a, a, a girl who didn't want her horse stolen, so she played Dixie on the piano for the soldiers.
1: Exactly.
2: Yeah, they did. The, the, did those. There's another case where they covered a horse with manure to make the horse look uh, uh, sick. And, of course, the other side of this is these uh, these Confederates were very wise. They were farm boys. They knew whether a horse had been hobbled or not. They knew whether a horse was sick or not. And so in many cases, these uh, conventions didn't work.
1: Yeah, we know of at least 1,100 horses in York County alone that the Confederate Army secured. Um, now, one thing that's interesting that our readers might be uh, fascinated by is, as the Confederates came into to Adams and York County in the, in the uh, mid-June 1863, they started seeing farmers making strange gestures along the side of the road. They would make hand gestures that none of the farmers had ever, or none of the soldiers had ever seen before. And as they got closer, they would find that these farmers would have yellow pieces of paper. And that they would, uh, you know, many of which didn't speak English, but some of the words of English they knew were, peace, peace, peace. And the took, you know, the Confederates were kind of incredulous about what's going on here. Why are these farmers acting so strange? Most of which they'd never seen a Pennsylvania Dutchman before in their life. Uh, So they were very, very curious about it. And Jubal Early, in fact, Major General Jubal Early called it a great mystery as to why these civilians were making these strange hand gestures. Well, it didn't take very long for the Confederates to finally figure out what was going on. They noticed a correlation fairly early on. If a farmer standing out in front of his his barn, gestulating with his hands and waving this yellow piece of paper in the air, uh, that's where you wanted to go because that farm still had all of its horses, all the hams were still inside the smokehouse, Everything was still in the spring house. The chickens were still there. I mean, it was a treasure trove of supplies, forage, food. Uh, Eventually, the Confederates found out what was happening. turned out that there was a group of con men from New York City that had come down into Adams and York County. And one Confederate, uh, Captain William Seymour, says they numbered in the thousands of farmers that they saw making these hand gestures throughout the two-county area. But for $1, these men from New York City would sell you this membership card to a society called the Knights of the Golden Circle. This was the yellow piece of paper. Uh, and that was allegedly a Confederate sympathy group, Copperhead Organization, that if you joined this group for the $1, they'd teach you the membership signs, these secret hand signals that would identify, uh, you know, that you were a member of this group, like the Mason secret signs, that, that kind of idea. But It was a scam? It was a total scam. Uh, all these guys from New York City wanted were the dollars, and they ended up with thousands of dollars. Uh, and they took, obviously, they took the, literally, took the last train out of York, uh, and they were still selling these things even as the Confederates were rolling into western New York County. Joe Borley mm-hmm. finally, uh, in his memoirs, wrote, the purchasers of these mysteries had been badly sold.
2: Yeah, the Confederates also uh, were under orders, of course, not to destroy property, but the, some of the commanders said, okay, you can, if we are at campfires, you can take the top rail take top rail uh, of fences. And so uh, there'd be one uh, unit or one squad that would take a rail. And so the next uh, one came along and took the next rail. And, and the, when they confronted about it, they said, well, I'm just taking the top rail. You know, So pretty soon all the fences were bare of, of the rails because each uh, squad was taking the top rail. That's the way they did it.
0: Was there any resistance from the farmers? Anybody say, yeah, you're not going to take my Yeah, thingage? there actually was.
1: Uh, in a little town in western New York County, a uh, place called Big Mount. Uh, there was a farmer that uh, did not take kindly to a, a Louisiana soldier uh, who came into his farmyard. We don't know all the details, but the presumption is that this Confederate was looking for food or supplies or horses, the, the usual thing. Uh, the records of the 8th Louisiana uh, in another book that I wrote uh, talk about a fellow named Charles Brown who was, quote unquote, murdered by the citizens of York County. Uh, so, somewhere near Big Mountain on, on an unnamed farm, they shot this Confederate to death, buried him on the farm, and he may still be there. We have no records he was ever dug up. Uh, in Adams County, there are a lot of stories, uh, all, tr- all of which are, have some basis, in fact, of bushwhackers, particularly in South Mountain as they were coming across what's today Route 30, uh, a number of different instances of Confederates being bushwhacked as they came into the area. And we have found Accounts, uncorroborated accounts from some Confederates that claim that stragglers were being lynched uh, as they came through the area, but we've never found verification that indeed any uh, anybody was actually strung up and hung in York County. Uh, It did happen in other
2: areas. As a rule of thumb, the able-bodied men, many of the able-bodied men were away at war, and others that were left uh, were had skedaddled or moved east across the river to safety so what not entirely but what largely was left were women and children mm-hmm. that, uh, manning the farms many of the livestock much of the cattle had been uh, up were up in the hills were uh, you know were were hidden up there or moved across the river so your county had kind of moved east except for a, a, a lot of uh, women and children So when
0: the the mayor uh, surrendered the town of York to the Confederates, what happened? Did the Confederate troops move in and set up shop? Yeah, just a
1: fairly quick story. Uh, A young York industrialist who owned this Pennsylvania agricultural works uh, was well acquainted with several Confederate generals having been a roommate in Alexandria, Virginia before the war with Robert E. Lee's nephew. Uh, He got the bright idea that uh, back in 1862... Uh, during the Antietam campaign, he had jumped on a horse, driven down, or ridden down to Maryland, uh, found his old college buddy, and said, "Look, if you're going to come to Pennsylvania, spare my factory, spare the women and children of York." Well, you know, in his mind that worked because obviously nobody came to York County in 1862, 1863. Now the Confederates are, are coming along today's Route 30, the Turnpike from Gettysburg. Uh, this young uh, industrialist named A. B. Farker. Uh, Jumps in his carriage this time, rides west, finds the first Confederates he could find, a fellow by the name of John Gordon, brigadier general from Georgia, and starts the same spiel. Uh, You know, look, if you're coming to York, you know, spare the women and children, spare my factory. And Gordon pretty much summarily cuts him off and says, "Look, we're going to do what we want to do. In effect, Uh, here's our terms. Uh, We better not find any Yankees in the town. No defenders when we come in tomorrow morning." Uh, and, and oh, by the way, if we find Yankees, we're going to hang you. Uh, so this, you know, now very frightened, formerly brash, young industrialist gets back in his carriage, whips back out uh, the link. What's today? The Lincoln Highway. Comes back in New York, finds the mayor, finds members of city council, kind of explains what happens, shows him a signed letter from the Confederate general, uh, di- dictating the terms. Well, the mayor at that point, Mr. Small. Uh, also of course the editor of the newspaper decides maybe I better talk to the Confederate leadership so he the young industrialist Mr. Farker and a few other uh, leading dignitaries jump back in the carriage and they go back out uh, to a little village called Farmers Pennsylvania where they negotiate with the Confederates for the shall we say peaceful occupation of York Uh, some people use the term surrender other people use the term non-resistance but bottom line is, they abandoned the town. So on Sunday morning, June 28th, Jill Borley will lead his division into downtown York, bands playing, flags flying, and in some cases, uh, some of York citizens celebrating the Confederate arrival by waving handkerchiefs, asking for buttons from the soldiers. Uh, and uh, and well, At least one account speaks of small Confederate flags waving here and there. Uh, so back to Jim's point about you know, this was definitely a divided area where there certainly were some southern sympathies. If not overt, they became overt uh, when the Confederates uh, came rolling into the area.
2: Yeah, in, in any war there's a saying that uh, that people are divided into thirds. A third, or uh, in this case, a third are uh, pro-Union, a third are pro-Confederate, and a third are whichever army is closest to you at a time, that's who you uh, favor. Sure. Uh, there was there was a lot of tears whenever the Confederates came in, too, and a lot sure. of a- apprehension. Uh, the Confederates came in, Juba early came in and said, oh, this was pretty easy. Maybe I'll extort. He didn't say it that way. Or maybe I'll requisition. He really extorted. Them. Uh, I'll burn your town unless you give me $100,000 and a bunch of supplies and, uh, and uh, food and uh, shoes and hats and and uh, so that was uh, really just insult to injury at that point. The town did come through with everything except the money. Interesting, about 20 years later, Drew Early was still telling Yorkers, you owe me the rest of the money, you know, good natured. Uh, by that time, York, York counties didn't have much, uh, didn't see the humor in it.
1: Right, yeah, uh, in fact, he actually wrote a letter to a York, uh, uh, leading York historian and leading citizen by the name of George Pearl, in which he, in effect, tongue in cheek, Says, if you don't pay me the rest of my money, uh, he collected twenty-eight thousand six hundred ten dollars out of the hundred grand that he wanted. He says, if you don't give me the rest of the money, I'm going to turn you into a collection agency. You know, and oh, by the way, I want interest on that money as well. Now, by then, he was twenty years out of the Confederate Army, and he certainly was joking, but he said it so often that there must have been a ring of truth because we know of at least nine or ten separate occasions that he makes that wisecrack about York still owing him money.
0: When was the, the occupation of York with regard to the burning of Chambersburg? Was it uh, no,
1: uh, the occupation of York happened in the summer of 1863 during the Gettysburg campaign. Uh, Jubal Early, of course, threatened to burn York down, burned a lot of uh, bridges and you know railroad property, things like that. But it wasn't until a year later, uh, in fact, almost exactly a year later, in July of 1864, that Early sends his cavalry back into Franklin County. And they will burn Chambersburg in July of '64 in retaliation, according to General Early, for uh, uh, degradations and depredations that his troops or Yang Union troops had did to the Shenandoah Valley. So it's about a year apart.
0: Did uh, did the Union Army know that the Confederate troops were moving where they were? I mean, did they have spies? How how did they? How was reconnaissance?
2: Well, that's a, that's a good question because uh, Jeb Stuart, their cavalry, uh, the Confederate uh, cavalry general, was the main spy, was the main scout for Robert E. Lee. And he, wa- he had become separated from Lee's main army, and uh, he was coming up through uh, Maryland and, and, and was trying to find Lee, and he, he gained, this was a couple of days after the Confederates uh, were in York, on the really the day before the the battle of Gettysburg began, and St- early still or uh, Stuart still couldn't find Lee, but he, so he's going through Hanover and he ran into the back of a of a long column of uh, of Yankee uh, horsemen, and that tied him up for it's called the Battle of Hanover. Uh, the battle took place there, 300 casualties in Hanover, Pennsylvania. It's often just a little town, 300 casualties that forced uh, Stuart to even go. Uh, further around to try to find Lee, uh, never really found him. Lee found uh, Stewart up in Carlisle or in the Carlisle area, uh, and uh, so that so Stewart was really de- detained in York County uh, for a, a, at a very crucial time when Robert E. Lee needed information. The Battle of Hanover was accidental.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, the Confederates knew the Yankee cavalry was in Littlestown area didn't really know they were in Hanover and the Yankees certainly didn't know Jeb Stewart was anywhere to that. I mean their focus was on Joe Borley's infantry which uh, that morning on uh, June 30th was marching west towards Gettysburg uh, but no they didn't really know Je- uh, Jeb Stewart was in that area. Now part of which goes back again to communications because the Confederates have been in southern Pennsylvania for now for almost a week uh, in parts of southern Pennsylvania starting on June 22nd. Uh, you know, communication lines were down, a lot of the newspapers weren't operating, uh, the telegraph lines had been ripped down by Confederate cavalry, so the exact whereabouts of the Confederates really wasn't evident. Uh, they kind of knew where they were. Not only not evident to the Union, but even to Jeb Stuart. Uh, so nobody truly knows where Joe Borley's men are, nobody truly knows where Jeb Stuart is at that point in time. Now, if I step back, one of the things you, you asked about was, was spies. Um, the Confederates have been planning on coming into southern Pennsylvania for obviously months and months and months. Throughout the winter of 1862, 63, they actually do have a network of underground intelligence agents that they'd established in the north that were indeed active in Adams, York, Lancaster, Dauphin, uh, Franklin, Fulton counties. Uh, and some of these spies were uh, uh, quite prevalent. <laughs> in fact, there's one story of a one armed uh, Bible salesman that runs around southern Pennsylvania that uh, is telling people uh, you know you want to buy a Bible uh, by the way, where you know where are the military bases in this area? where are the leading citizens? Uh, where's this road go to how many you know how many farms are down this road? Uh, and it turns out this one and he tells them when I come back in the summer with my friends, I'll bring your Bibles. Uh, uh, it turns out that he and a couple of young assistants with him are, uh, supposedly Confederate map makers. Uh, we do know the Confederates end up in uh, March of 1863 with one of the finest maps ever drawn of south-central Pennsylvania, a uh, fellow by the name of Jedediah Hotchkiss, who is a well-known Civil War cart- cartographer, ends up drawing this map with, from the assistance. Well, uh, according to local York County lore, this one-armed Bible salesman does show up uh... as a confederate major during uh... Early's occupation of New york and it's uh, is alleged to say see here are my friends all six thousand of them
0: uh, scott we uh, before we run out of time now we talked about the book that the two of you collaborated on civil war voices from york county and we didn't really talk about your book uh, flames beyond gettysburg what can you say that would make people yeah. want to go out and buy it
1: Oh, uh, actually we did talk about them because they're somewhat interchangeable uh... flames beyond gettysburg is the history of the jubilee's occupation of New york Uh, It's a story of the first battle of Gettysburg, how Pennsylvania forms the militia, tries to defend itself. Uh, We talk a lot about the drive to get to the bridge, uh, how it's being defended. So the two books are actually quite interchangeable. Uh, The one, the Flames Beyond Gettysburg being more of the hardcore history of what was happening, and then Civil War Voices being the civilian reaction to what was happening, and a lot of the human interest anecdotes and things, as well as the beginning of the Civil War and the end of the Civil War so the Civil War voices book contains uh, a lot of augmented material if you will uh, that accentuates Flames Beyond Gettysburg but it's hard not to talk about the two books somewhat interchangeably because they tell somewhat the same story
0: Now we've talked briefly about the the burning of the Wrightsville Columbia bridge but can you talk a little bit more about it first of all the longest covered bridge in the world
1: yeah uh, the cover bridge was built in early in the 19th century, replacing a ferry across the Susquehanna River. It was a mile and a quarter long uh, and, yes, indeed, it was the longest covered bridge uh, as far as we know ever built on earth. Uh, bridge was knocked down in the uh, early part of the 19th century by uh, natural elements, floods and uh, ice flows in the river. Uh, it was rebuilt using the same timber, so by 1863, this was 50-year-old oak, well-seasoned, uh, but it was the main communications life link between Lancaster and York counties and, frankly, between Philadelphia and York, Gettysburg, Baltimore. Were there
0: railroad lines on it? Yeah,
1: the bridge contained railroad tracks. It had, as I mentioned earlier, the canal boats, and it had passenger routes. So it was basically all three forms of transportation, and it was a toll bridge. So as the farmers of York County are taking their crops or or their... uh, livestock and their horses and their families into Lancaster, they're paying money for the privilege of escaping from the Confederates and the folks who own the bridge, of course, are making a windfall profit uh, by, uh, shall we just say, conveniently charging full top dollar to anybody who wants to get across the bridge. Why'd they burn it?
2: Uh, Well, they wanted to try to keep uh, the Union militia, Union Army wanted to try to keep the Confederates from going across, obviously gaining a toehold on the East Bank. There's an interesting story about that, though. They were At first, they tried to mine one of the spans, undermine it, blow it up, and that just takes one uh, span, and that would keep the Confederates from going across. They, so they hired some carpenters to do that. And one of the interesting things is that, uh, and, and Scott brings this out in, in his uh, book. In fact, that's the first uh, published uh, notice of it. One of the people assigned to, uh, to set the fuses for the mines was uh, sitting on the bridge smoking a cigar you know so he could light the fuse was a black man by the name of Jacob Miller. So you think about that image for a second, you have a solitary uh, black man uh, smoking a cigar and rushing at him was a Confederate brigade, John B. Gordon's brigade fighting under who had uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson, all these great generals, these men coming right at him. There he is coolly smoking a cigar is, you know, this image of, uh, of a black man taking on a whole Confederate brigade. They, 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 the, they blew up the, uh, the span, but it didn't drop into the water. So they, there were still the substructures in place, that the Confederates still could have got across. So there was a, a retreat of some distance. They had, uh, they had some flammables there as a backup. They lit those flammables, and the bridge caught on fire.
1: Yeah, a, a mile and a quarter long wind tunnel because the wind shifted and one of the fascinating stories we talk about in flames beyond gettysburg is the town of wrightsville catches on fire uh... and the uh... confederates believe it or not form a bucket brigade and they start dipping water out of the canal uh... out of the western uh... uh facing canal susquehanna and tidewater and they will carry the buckets of water past them hand over hand Uh, to to soldiers who would douse the roofs of the buildings of of Wrightsville and they'll save the vast majority of the town. Uh, The irony of that is these were the same confederates who in some cases knew their own houses had been destroyed by Union soldiers uh, less than a month before and yet they're collaborating to save uh, most of Wrightsville, Pennsylvania.
0: If you go to the site of where the Wrightsville Bridge was today, what do you see?
1: Uh, The piers, the old piers, stone piers of the bridge are still in the water today, uh, covered with shrubbery and trees and things like that, but certainly they're still there. Uh, The bridge itself has been relocated over the years. Uh, Now there's a modern Route 30 bridge between Lancaster and York County, but if you look to the south, if you're crossing on Route 30 uh, towards the uh, 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 1920s vintage Wrightsville, uh, Columbia Bridge, you'll see the piers of the old bridge still sitting there. And they have
2: reenactments on occasion where, uh, you know, the heritage groups along the river where they have grills on top of each of those piers, and they'll light them uh, charcoal and, and uh, with wood, and they'll light them, and you can they reenacted uh, the, the burning, of the, the burning of the bridge that way. You look at them, and all across the river, these grills are lit up. Yeah. If you walk through downtown
0: York, uh, are there many buildings that you'll walk past that were there when the Confederate... I I would try to
2: answer that in this way. There, there are are many uh, buildings, yes, that are still there. You know, York had a a very successful run in the Revolutionary War. The Continental Congress came there and adopted the Articles of Federation There, very proud moment in York's history. And in World War II, is another uh, great moment. York's businesses or the industries came together and formed the York Plan, a time where a collaboration where it became internationally known about this cooperation to take on the. to take on the, uh, the Germans the and the Axis. But the Civil War, because of the surrender, has kind of taken a back seat. It goes to show how history really does shape a town. You know, the, the surrender of York is not a great moment. Uh, it's not a moment that shows courage. You can do a lot with that. It's, you can interpret that a lot of different ways. But it wasn't seen as a courageous moment. It still wasn't seen as a, a, a courageous moment. So it was kind of lost between those two other great wars. And it's only been in the last 10 years that, uh, that, that people have started writing about this. Scott's uh, book, that, uh, the Flames book, is the best of those, uh, those 12 books that, that talks about the Civil War and York County's involvement. Well, we are
0: out of time. We've been speaking with Jim McClure. He is co-author of this book, Civil War Voices from York County, and his, his co-author, Scott Mingus, who also wrote this book, Flames Beyond Gettysburg. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast of PA Books, a production of PCN, the Pennsylvania Cable Network. We'd like to hear from you. Our email address is pabooks at pcntv.com. Like us on Facebook to learn more about PA Books.